149. Welcome to episode 149 of the Bench Time Podcast. I caught your little 149 at the beginning. This is Todd and Brett Wiley. 149, baby. We're one away. Next week is 150. Yeah, and then we're one away from 151. How about that? And then we're one away from 152. We all love 151, huh? And then we're one away. After that, we're one away from 153. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that's 150. That's another milestone, dude. Yeah. We've done yeah. we've done almost as many episodes as we are years removed from the Civil War. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but anyhow, it was, uh, it's, it, you know, we're, uh, where are we at now? We're, we're done with the live builds. I mean, we've done it. And in fact, I even got on again because there was some... <laughs> There were some difficulties and issues with uh, some of the guys were having with the one kit that I was working with, and uh, they had some questions and such that they missed some things, and, and maybe I skipped over some building process when I was doing it. So I went back on Saturday and showed what I did yeah. uh, to fix it. I don't know if you saw that at all or not. Nah, I didn't. But um, <laughs> not going to lie. Like, okay. Well, that's fine. Whatever. And... Um, so hopefully that helps uh, helps them out a little bit. I mean, I, I did everything I could to to show what I can. I mean, it's I did my uh, best. I did my best. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and we're done with that for now, and you know, now I'm back to doing my own thing for a little bit. Yeah, and, and yeah. doing some of my own stuff. Now, which now is, listen, not that we, that's not my own thing. It's we're just, still, and we're gonna do Facebook Lives still. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've had a few people reach out to me, ask me if we're still gonna do Facebook Lives. Um, and yeah, we're gonna do Facebook Lives, yeah, we're but it's gonna be no, but it's gonna be uh, Facebook Lives, but like we used to do before the group build, um, right? Back to just our personal yeah, builds. We, yeah, we just grab some, grab the mic, and just go to it, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, put on the camera and and show what we're doing. Right. You know, maybe a new technique or something we found, or something we, some a new product we have, or something we'll show it. You know, but you know, it'll be when we do it. Yep. <sighs> All right. So, anyway, so what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking water. Nothing. I just got done. I literally just got done with work, so I'm drinking uh, water. I got a. I got my. I have big old jug of water over here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways, so, nice. Well, I went out last weekend. Last Friday, I went out and I went to Mainline Hobby. Yeah. My favorite hobby store, and I went there and did some uh, shopping with your mom and got. Uh, some new, um, well, I got some some new scenery material, um, like some tufts and uh, uh, grass tufts. I mean, I know you can make your own grass tufts, but they, I, I wanted some commercial grass grass tufts, and I got some, um, uh, um, what are those um, cattails? Oh yeah, uh, to put down along the water, and I did. I did some scenery with that, and I took some photos and posted them up on, on our Facebook page. Yeah, they um, looked, that looked awesome. Uh, they turned out really well, and they're they're, they're really easy to do. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're the ones I bought were I bought two different companies types. I got Woodland Scenics version, and then I of course got the um, um, JTT Scenery Products makes another one. They're both ones lighter in cut, like a like a more of a lighter shade of green. They looked good that you mixed them up, though. 
Yeah, and the one was a darker shade yeah. of green, you know? So I put the darker shade ones a little close. They're both right along the water's edge, but I put the darker ones, like, right at the water's edge because they would, in my opinion, they would be getting more water, so they're brighter, you know? And um, I, don't, I don't know. That's kind of my thought. But um, but you're right. I mixed them up a little bit to show different shades, and then, of course, um, you, you got to be careful when you do that. Um because you don't want to, uh, you you don't want to make it look like light, light, dark, light, light, dark. Like you don't want to show a pattern. You just said light, light, dark, light, light, dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I meant. I meant light, light, dark. <laughs> just, light, light, you sounded like you were like a CD skipping. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to. I didn't want to show a pattern. I wanted to show a randomness to it. So I kind of mixed them in and. And you know, and when I first started putting them down, I was like, eh, "That kind of looks like a pattern." So I moved around a little bit. Now on the bottom of them, uh, for HO scale on those, they're a little bit long. Okay, yeah, they're almost too tall. So what I did was, and this is a product that I was recommended to use uh, for putting down certain scenery, like bushes and things like that, um, by uh, Craig Brotman, one of our guests we've had on here before. And uh, he's a good friend. And uh, he, he, you can get this at the craft store. It's called Beacon Advanced Craft Glue 3-in-1. Um, it's a clear, it's a clear uh, waterproof type um, glue. It's, it, it, it has about the consistency of um, kind of like, kinda like uh, tacky glue. Yeah, but it's clear and uh, it dries. It dries clear too. So, you know, but not so much to the point where I I wouldn't use too much of it in grassy ground earth areas. I don't know if he does or not, because um, my fear is when it dries, I don't want any of that clear shininess to show through. Right. But but on the water like this, along the water's edge, it's perfect. And uh, so I put that underneath, and I, what I do is I cut the length. I cut about a quarter inch off the bottom of this, maybe a little, just a hair more than a quarter inch, uh, to make the height. And uh, and then I cut off the bottom, and then I dip the bottom while I held it in my in between two fingers, and I dip the bottom in the glue. I had like a little, you know, a little puddle of glue there, and I and I dip the bottom in just to get them, you know a little damp with the glue and then I placed them where I wanted on along the water's edge, you know, so they stand upright and you want them to stand upright as much as possible. And then when they, then when that glues, give it about three minutes or four minutes when that glue starts to set a little better. And then I just took a, a pair of tweezers and I kind of spread out some of the, some of the, uh, the tuft around the center cattail you know it's like a center cattail and then i spread out some of the green tufts around it. not real far just a little bit you don't want everything going up and down perpendicular straight up and down right a couple things but then some of the other things gotta spread out a little bit give it a little angle not much you know instead of a 90 degree angle give it a 75 degree angle you know that kind of thing so i, I did a little of that and um did some scenery. I got some other scenery products, and and um, I'm going to try some stuff. And that was all motivated, by the way, um, by watching some videos from Kathy Malott and uh, 
Yeah, I remember and, that uh, day you were telling me, you're like, I just got done watching a bunch of Kathy videos, and I, I, want, oh, I want to get down there and try good. all this stuff now. Yeah, they were real, they were real good. It was all scenery, doing scenery, and uh, there are two of her latest ones, and you'll go to uh, her YouTube channel, and uh, go check it out, and you'll find that it has, uh, she has two new ones up that are on doing uh, grasses and scenery and stuff, and it's awesome. Now, she, she uses the same, you know, knock uh grass um static grass applicator that we do yeah so you know so you know it's it's that that's basically the same thing so but anyhow it's um it's it's they're wonderful videos and i i also left a comment and a like up there for like i always do and uh but then you know that motivated me so what i saw her using instead of regular dirt like we use regular dirt a lot <clears throat> but I went out and bought uh, – I went to Lowe's and uh, I bought um, – what, what was that? That was um, tile grout. Yeah. They have tile grout in all these different colors and a lot of them are natural colors. And uh, it's super, super fine, you know. And, you know, it's great because now I don't have to sift it. It's – as fine as you could possibly ever want it, you can get it in different shades. It's not cheap, you know. A bag of that stuff's like I, the bag I paid for is about thirteen bucks. Yeah, now but I mean, it's gonna last you a like long time. Bucks. Oh my god, I, I got I, just that one shade. I got you know a lot. Now I'm not buying like all the different shades under the rainbow. Yeah, but I'm gonna go back maybe this weekend and get another bag of a different shade. You know. And then over the course of maybe a month or so, I'll have three or four shades of different types of dirt and browns and dirt, you know, earth tones. Uh-huh. And um, and I want to I want I don't want to get ones I may not use that often. I want to get ones that are this one here I bought was like a mocha. And mm, um, mocha. Yeah, and she used a chocolate one. I don't know if that's a. <laughs> I tried to find chocolate, and I guess mocha is the same thing. She was. Um, yeah, but she's in Great Britain, and, and we're here, so maybe they call the chocolate one there, mocha here. But um, yeah, Mocha it, is it, a was, fine quality coffee. That's all it says. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it, that's what I got. And, it, <laughs> and I love it. it it's a dark it, brown. It, it's, it's really nice for, a, 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 you know, an earth yeah. uh, dirt. On and the, you know on what? The so when you apply it, is it very similar to, like, the um, the terrain's texture from some of the weathering companies we've used in the past? Well, it's dirt. Yeah, but I'm saying you're mixing it though, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not mixing with any. I'm putting it down. I, oh. I put glue down on my, yeah. sur- on my surface. Right, and right, right. But I'm saying dirt on. when it dries, Yeah. what's it look like? Dirt. Yeah. But, but there's other weathering products we've used that look like terrain or dirt when it dries. Paint. Yeah, but you paint it on, it looks like dirt. Does it look better than oh. that? Never mind. Never mind. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm from saying other. Oh, from like, like military. Yeah, there's the, some the other military, military companies. You know, there's yeah, there's right a, a few right. of them. Um, right. And they make look, a dirt product. So for, so uh, so it here go on wet like that. It goes on like I know it you know goes that, on dry. You know that, I'm saying we're gonna. I'm gonna fight you tonight. I'm just okay. saying. Give me. Let me get it out of my mouth. Um. Damn it. Now Scott's gonna quote me on that. <laughs> Let me get it out of my mouth. Um, what I wanted to, what I was trying to get at was like, okay, so you pay thirteen dollars for it, but you get a large quantity. 
Right. What's the difference in that? What's the difference in the final product when that's done compared to? It dries like it. It dries like it dries. Yeah. Uh, it dries like dirt dries. Yeah. When we put dirt down. So rather when than you buying... put the other stuff down, it, you get like a mud look yeah. or something. Like, yeah. It just doesn't give you that. I just wanted to find out for people who haven't seen that. I wanted to. Uh, now you know, I haven't. I wanted you to explain it. the difference. I haven't soaked it from top to bottom like you would. I just sprinkle it on and let the glue accept it. That might right? be interesting to try it and applying it wet with because, texture. Right, because when you put wet down on on the stuff, on, on tire, regular tire grout, you mix water with, right? Yeah. What happens? It becomes grout. Yeah, so, but it's still know, got a dry, rough look, though. Yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah, interesting definitely. to try the difference. Right, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. Just maybe I'll play with it on Saturday a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah play with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, it's good though. That's good though. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and like I said, you, what's the for thirteen dollars? You said it's not cheap, but it's thirteen dollars. It's a lot. It's it's but, ten pounds. Uh, so ten pounds. If you bought a weathering or or earth type product. From a model company, you're gonna get like a eight ounce cup, eight ounce jar of it, and it's gonna last. It you know, it's gonna you're gonna pay thirteen dollars. Yeah. Oh, easy. Sixteen, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just you know, as an uh, there's an instance where if you're trying to do a you know a large area for your layout, mm-hmm. and typically if you're gonna do a layout, you're gonna have a, you're gonna pick a region, and a lot of it's gonna be a similar region. You're gonna have a similar soil type. You're not right. You're not doing. Uh, you're not modeling like the whole way across the United States where there's varying no. soil types. So if you need a lot and you're doing a large layout, maybe consider working with this product. Yeah, you get there's tans and light like sand colors. Yeah, yeah. I mean you're gonna like have that. variation in soil, like if you have a right. creek or a ocean front and then it goes sure. back into an a different like a city scene. Right. There's gonna be variation in soil, but like and you, you said, can mix you can two. pick two or three colors up and mix them and you're only paying thirty bucks. Yeah. And you can, like I said, on the same area of ground, you could use a dark one, and then off to the, its side, you can lighten it out and kind of blend them. That sounds and, awesome. Yeah, I mean, and, and here's the thing on that. Now, I don't have to go out with a little shovel and dig fine ground, fine dirt <laughs> somewhere like I did before at my house, and then sit there all afternoon with a, with a bunch of strainers, sifting and sifting and sifting dirt. It's done. So I saved myself an afternoon of sifting that crap, and you still get little chunks of, yeah. Well, well, we sifted out pretty. We sifted it out pretty good. I put it through but, like four four different size screens, and it comes yeah, out pretty yeah. darn fine. Yeah, it does. But you know, this way, I don't have to. And the other thing I noticed is it puts off a little less dust. It has some it's dust. heavier, probably. Yeah, it's like so. It's dust, like but that. it probably settles quicker. Right. Right, exactly. And um, <laughs> this other stuff we've used, this dirt we dug out from around from around your house, it's so dry though. If you if you accidentally stir it up, man, the dust hangs in the air for ten minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is awesome because it's very natural, and I'm going to still continue to use oh, it. It looks good. Yeah, it's you just know, like it's it, it's just sure. really dry dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like baseball. It's like it's almost what you have there is almost like the consistency of like baseball field diamond, dirt baseball diamond dirt yeah. and it, like man once you stir it up it's like hangs in the air for the rest of the day i saw an article somebody was using baseball diamond text dirt yeah to do that and i think it might have been george Celius. if anybody can correct correct me on that but That'd be i think 
uses Dymatex, the huh. same stuff I use on baseball fields. Can you just buy and, it? Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Dymatex? Or you maybe just get in your car. I'm not saying George does this. And I, I, I know damn sure that he probably would not ever do this. He does not seem that type. I might. But um, <laughs> get in his car, drive down the baseball field with a fucking at night. freaking... Uh, huh? At night, though. At night. Yeah, with a little bucket. Just kind of <laughs> we a little would never... Up. We don't recommend doing this. Please yeah, do not yeah. do this. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I would never do this. Horrible. I wouldn't either. I'm Baseball. Oh, wow. You can buy it. You can? Diamond Tex infield dirt. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Stuff's uh, not cheap. Oh, you got to buy it. Never mind. You got to buy, buy it. You got to buy a truck load? Yeah. <laughs> you got to <laughs> buy like a, a whole dump truck. <laughs> well, you know, we're not going to buy $12,000 worth of dirt for our layout. So moving on. <laughs> we're going to make uh, What's that one that that layout in Europe that's like um like it takes Wait, up the I got like it, Dad. inside of an arena? I got a new business plan. You ready? What's that? We'll buy one tr- we only need one truckload. Buy one yeah. truck, one huge triaxle load of Diamond Tex dirt. And then you and I will sit down here for like four weeks straight and we'll package it into nice little canisters and we'll make our own weathering company and we'll sell dirt. Diamond Tex dirt. For like $13 for four ounces of dirt. (laughs) And we'll be loaded. We'll We'll be made. We'll have it made. We'll be living life large in the Bahamas, sipping Man. umbrella drinks with our wives because we sold Dymatex dirt and we sold it <laughs> <laughs> for fourteen dollars an ounce. Uh anyways. All right. We've both been busy working. So what have I've, you been working on? So I've had two cool things happen. Um if you follow our Facebook page and um and if you're in the overtime Facebook group, uh even if you aren't, I'll put a I'll pump a message out. Uh, on Patreon too, just for a, a cool photo. Um, yeah. I've extended my workbench, so that was one of the coolest things. I'm actually sitting it at cool. it now. So my new workstation slash podcast station is my new workbench extension. Um, uh-huh. I built it specifically to. Re- I was sitting at an old dining room table that I had moved to the basement, which had seen a lot of action. That dining yeah. room table was my grandparents. Um and who God knows when they bought that thing. Yeah. But when I when I moved into my house and my wife and I got married, they gave it to us. Yep. Cuz it was an excuse, you know, when you're young and it, and people know you need furniture, it's a good time to off the furniture you don't want and give it to those young people that need furniture. So they bought a new <laughs> they they bought a new table and they're like, "Hey, we can get rid of that old table and give it to my grandkids." Right. Uh so that was our first table. We bought had since bought a nice new table that my which hindsight don't do it if you're a new if you're a new parent don't buy a nice new <laughs> table. Anyways, now that I know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast episode. But um, you know, we I moved the old dining room table downstairs. That's where I was doing the podcast from. Right, and behind to my back then was the workbench. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've taken the dining room table out of the basement, which gave us a ton of room in that corner. I, I'm going to put that shelf that's in the back there, Dad, over there, yeah. over here near the workbench, which makes sense. You want your shelving and your storage near yeah. your work area. And I pull we 
carefully move the layout, which was, believe me, I did it an inch at a time. Like, yeah. it was, it was tedious. But anyways, I shifted the layout down about a foot. I mean, uh, about three feet down. Um, so there's about four and a half feet between the new L section of the layout. I mean, the new L section of the bench and the layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome because so I'm sitting here recording the podcast, literally staring down our city. Uh, and That's when cool. I and when I work, I'm sitting here building a building, and I'm which I'm going to talk about next, yeah. and looking at our whole creation in front of us. So, um. Very cool. It's, I'm like getting goosebumps just talking about it. Cause well, it, it the looks neat awesome. thing from what I see is I can come down there, yeah, and sit on one side of the of it's the, double of sided the L shape, yeah, of the L table, and I can the, sit the, on the other left hand side of the L, and we can both work on the at the workbench. It was tougher to do that before, yep. so and now, now it's kind of cool. Now when other now now when you come down to work, um, if you know, because b- previously I'd be working on something on the workbench, and then you'd yeah. be like, "Hey, I need to do this," and I got all my shit scattered all over the workbench. Yeah, and then we gotta jockey around each other's work stuff. This so would be nice. This is cool because I have more storage. The workbench top is more clear for now mm-hmm. <laughs> because because I if it, <laughs> I built it with the idea of creating more vertical space for storage. Right, and um. And we're featuring a nice new pink cutting mat, if anyone's seen that, from a, is, an awesome pink. an awesome friend and patron of ours who, uh, listen, this pink cutting mat, make some jokes about it if you want. It's pretty damn nice. It is. And, and you know what? It's 20, I noticed when you took some pictures of your work on that. It doesn't look too bad. It looks pretty cool because it kind of accentuates the, the – how do you like that word? It accentuates now, the spell work it. that you've done. A C N T U A T E. Is that yeah. sure? Are you sure? Uh huh. A C C E N T U A T E. I said. I said C. You said one. <laughs> you said one C. <laughs> <laughs> I said the C. Right, Anyways, right. no, hey, you're man, right though. Cool. It's it. So I'm gonna be a little selfish. Yeah. Um, from a engagement standpoint it's nice because on our facebook page and when i post this bright pink background when i put a photo up yeah. it pops out on your facebook feed but yeah uh you know it does look cool the other the reverse side of it is like a cool um royal blue color as yeah. as well so um no i'm excited to use it it's a 20 23 by 35 inch cutting mat it's a big cutting mat. Your mom has a huge one like that for her, her sewing stuff when she cuts did patterns. You, did you see the picture of? And, and it, you know those things. Those things are nice. I love this one actually, and and yeah. I, they're not that expensive. I I saw the pink one here, the, on Amazon, and yeah. uh, pretty reasonable price. Better than the Zacto brands or whatever that other brand was. What well, are you going to pay for that? You're going to pay for those brands. It depends on where you go. It's the same cutting mat, Dad. I tested it. It heals the same. Oh, I know. They, they all, and they do. It's probably now, actually made by the same company. They just stamp a different logo on it. If you go to, like, Joanne Fabrics and try and buy it, a cutting mat. Oh, my God. You're going to pay it for your, the nose. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're, you're you got to get another more. You got to take a second mortgage out on your home to get a 35-inch cutting mat. But they're, they're expensive. Yeah. So, but, anyhow. you know, anyways, we're we're we're... we're just, you know, going yeah. off track here. But yeah. 
the workbench is awesome. I'm doing my podcast from it. I actually love doing my podcast or our podcast from this location because I'm looking at the layout. I'm not staring at a brick wall in my water heater. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's just cool. It's more inspiring to do my podcast from my, ex- my extended workbench. So, um, yeah. that's cool. Now, the next thing I want to talk about with what I'm working on is my little, Hey, kid- whoa, 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 go back real quick. Oh, go ahead. Dude, what about the recliner? Is that there? Nah, it's gone, man. Okay, good. Cause I was have afraid after the snake thing going in the house. The recliner's been out of my basement for like a year. Uh, okay, okay. I, I, well, you know what? I get down there working. I can't really sit in anyways. I'm busy working. Well, now you yeah. have a place to sit and eat your sheets food and do some work. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, now if you don't, don't know what sheets is, in the recliner, you... you sit down in the recliner and have a snake <laughs> the recliner. That was always a concern of mine. Oh. So. Well, no, there's no recliner down here. Everything's everything. And you just, got some pretty big spiders down there too, man. They're I just saw big, one scurry in by. Fact, here. I think one of the spiders might have ate the snake. I think it did. <laughs> That's why we didn't see them anymore. But, hey, I'm uh, fine with it. The spiders, they can eat the snakes. I'm yeah. less afraid of a spider than I am a snake. You're more afraid of a spider than a snake. I'm less afraid of a spider. Than oh a snake. yeah, yeah. Because spiders squish. Yeah, so. I can kick. I can kill a spider pretty fast. I can't. Yeah. You know, snakes. Yeah. You can't just grab a snake and like kill it. You gotta, you gotta be. If you miss once, you're done because it's gonna scurry away so fast. You can't. Yeah, it's done. You got one shot. Or it hit you. Well, it's a black snake. I'm not too worried yeah, about that. Yeah, true. It'll but, still bite you. But it's but. it ain't gonna. It ain't, it's a black snake. Whatever. Yeah. You'll you'll have it tomorrow if you if you get bit by a black snake. Right. Right. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. But, he won't. Uh, but you will. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. We digress. All right. Um, no, anyways, you're gonna build. You're building my building. So uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, you guys. I've been in a little bit of a funk. Uh, I know it's an old and tired story with work and everything that's going on. I've, I'm not gonna lie. I've been in a little bit of a funk trying to just get, get some better. motivation to build. Um, I have not, but you have. I know have. You what? Have. I know you have. But yeah, it's just been weird. It's weird right now. Like I'm working too yeah. much and. I'm not running as much as I used to. I'm not right. building as much as I used to. I just don't have time. I'm tired and working too much. But yeah. um, but I'm putting a stop to it. I've hit the stop button, and um, I am intentionally carving out time for family and building out, building more stuff now. And uh, it's fun. I'm, I I didn't have a fun summer just because it was chaotic, and now we're back to the grind with building some awesome stuff. So with that, I am digging into, I thought a cool kit after the group build and after everything else, just motivation wise, trying to get back into it. And I think everyone hits a funk every now and then. Sure. Um, you know, kind of a creativity block where you're just like, Oh, what am I going to do? Like, what do I need to yeah. do? What am I going to do to get back into that? Like creative mode. Right. I think right. it happens. To any, I think it happens to anyone who's, doing create like doing um who's a creator if you're bit if you make or build things or you design stuff i think anyone eventually hits that little bit of a wall for a little oh, bit yeah. of time and you gotta, I've had conversations like that with jason yeah. on the phone you gotta find uh, ways to to like we both felt that we you know we hey you know what how you've been built doing we we get talking we're talking about bait you know building stuff and 
and uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about a project I've seen him working on or whatever. And, and uh, you know, we both said, "Hey, I'm in a, I'm kind of in a funk right now." You know, it happens. And, and, and then you and, every, and everybody gets that way. You I get home, to other other people that you all know as well. Right. You get and, home uh, and all, you don't want to go down. You don't want to build or like, yeah. oh, what am I going to do? And then you go downstairs or well, you yeah, go to your, other projects from work and things like that. Or you and, go, but then you get downstairs and you're like, all right, I got a couple hours. And then I, you ever do this? You sit in your work at your workbench or in your workroom or your your workshop, and you you just look around. Yeah, and you're like, "What am I gonna do?" Oh, I've had. Have you ever <laughs> sat there at your workbench? You go in because you want to be in your workbench area, right? And then you don't do anything because you're. Yeah, looking. you just sit there and you grab your phone and you start poking around your damn phone, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you've killed like I don't know, you, an hour's going by, and then you get up from it going, "I haven't done shit. I'm, I'm going. In, I'm going out. You'll do something. I'm else. going to watch Netflix now." Right. And yeah, I mean, so so. Getting back to what I was trying to say, no, this is a good. That's a good topic. It too. is. On that, and and the other thing on that would be, is, um, you know, we we all have those moments where, you know, you you, you can't get motivated, and, and and I know there's somebody out there right now that's sitting there going, "Who oh, not me? No man! Every time, every day, all day, all I do is build and build and build and build and build and build and build. I never get tired of it. How could you guys get sick and tired of it? All I do is build, a build and build." Don't give me that, man. Well, it just means you haven't built enough. Yeah, man. No, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not making light of the situation. I'm just saying, like, you know, everyone gets into a funk every now and then. So, so, right. and then, and obviously, and honestly, we also have to record the, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, you know, once a week, we got to spend two hours doing this. So that also eats into my time trying to build. And it's well, not, yeah. a, it's not a complaint, but I'm just, you know, I love doing, I wouldn't trade this podcast for the world. No, 100 we'll get it out of your mouth sometime today yeah. <laughs> yeah, uninterrupted uh shows. yeah but i mean so. yeah through a lot of bad times so yeah um yeah, true and that's not the point but back to what i wanted to say yeah how i'm getting myself out of this funk um i was looking at some of the bigger kits i have to build i know what my next one's gonna be dad and I'll huh? get to that next. But, you know, I was like, well, how am I going to kick this funk? How am I going to do – what am I going to do to, like, shake the cobwebs off after, like, a month or so of just not really being that into it? And I go – and I'm looking through my kits because God knows we have, like we – you know, we only have a couple to build right now. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I'm looking through my stack of – unbuilt kits that I keep buying and don't build. And um, the kit of the month from back in the midsummer hit me. And the Harbor Master office from the kit of the month from Foscale Models was, it just struck me. I'm like, well, I'm working on this waterfront right now. I'm I'm doing the waterfront scene with all that industrial area. Um, It's another harbor. It's a little bit different. Of a harbor than our northern harbor. Yeah. The northern harbor is a more natural form harbor. Right now, yeah. Well, yeah, but no, it always will be. The, the sides of the whole oh, harbor yeah. are rock walls. It goes, yeah, it goes in, yeah. It's stone. Right. It's a, it's like an inlet. Right. Um, but the, the southern harbor on our layout is all man-made. It's all built up block and, and right. stone wall. So it's like yeah. a... It's like an artificial harbor because it's been built. 
Right. Um, so I figured, you know, we need a little bit of a har- – we have a harbor master and gas station building at the northern harbor, but we don't have anything on the southern one. Right. So I figured, well, what better kit to kind of shake the cobwebs loose than the kit of the month? Because it's gonna only going to take me an evening or two. Sure. Um and in one evening, man, I pounded out a whole bunch of stuff on this one. So I I, to- I opened that one up and started working on it and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, man, all I gotta do really now is the dock, the dock scene and the roof. Yeah. So turned out Blackwater, great. Blackwater, Blackwater Cove South Harbor Master. Blackwater Cove North. Yeah. Harbor Master. So we'll be set. But um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun little kit. I did a lot of weathering on the bottom, but I didn't do too much up top. I sent you pictures of it the other night. The signs look great. I mean, the walls look... All, the weathering you did was... I loved, especially around the windows and doors. It was light, uh, but, I, but, it, but it was light but impactful. Yeah, what did you weather it with? Oh. Um, on the windows and doors, I mean. I used... Let me get it real quick. Is that MIG stuff? Yeah. Uh, let me find it. Which one did I use here? It was MIG. I used, uh, you're going to think it's a little different, but it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Which one was it here? Oh, here we are. Um, I used the earth effects. Oh. But I, 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 wa- I thinned it out really, like really, really thin. Um, okay. With just some mineral spirits. Um oh. And I took that Earth Effects brownish mud color, yeah. um, thinned it down really light, and then uh, just went around the windows with it. And it was still a darker line, even though I thinned it out. And then once it right. dried for about, not fully dry, but once it was dried for about, you know, 20 or 30 seconds and it started to soak in the wood, Yeah. Um, I took the, the stuff that wasn't soaked in, like the surface layer. Yeah. Because you know what? You know, it starts to soak in, but there's still that, like, surface layer of unsoaked in weather. Oh, yeah, pigment. yeah. And then I took my mineral spirits again and thinned it out all the whole way around. So it kind of made it like a, a gradient away from the window and then down. Um, very, very subtle, but when you when you look closer, at first pass, you don't see it, but then when you look closer, you start to see the weathering around those windows. And it's just the earth yeah. effects. I think that's a great idea. So um, I've done, I've had good luck with like the dust and earth effect um, of those types of paints of the MIG paints where yeah. you just um, was it that what's that let me look here I'm just, I'm just I'm just talking to myself and I'm I've had I've had stuff. good effects with them because you could put them on and it just like you said let's let it set for a little bit and then you go in with your mineral spirits and and remove them a little and you'll get that. You'll get like a you'll get a, like a faint dust dust cover over everything, right? Or dirt cover over everything. A light, a very light and faint dust cover, and and I and I love that. I mean, that's I I think those products do amazing work once you figure out how to make them work for you. Yeah, obviously, there it was yeah. great. It was actually just earth. Yeah, the earth. I was I was digging through my bin here because I got okay. I don't know four dozen damn weathering right. things now it was earth okay. by ammo of meg okay gotcha well that's cool but yeah it, like i said it turned out great your 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 signs you now of course you always kick ass with your signs but well the but, signs uh, i just signs. i didn't even sand them this time no i just um i took a, a sharpie like jason jensen has 
you know, advocated for many, many times, and Doug's done that too, and you've done right. it. Um, I just took a black sharpie, made a border around the edge of the cut edge of the sign, right, and applied it to the wall. Um, and then I took uh, some iron oxide brown paint, right, from Cermacoat. Yeah. and do- very, very finely with a dry sponge. Um, put some rust specks on only two of the signs, not every sign. So like two or three of the signs on the building look like they're newer, like they've been newly installed. Yeah. And then two or three of the signs on the building have some rust showing through uh, on the metal sign. Oh, that's cool. So there's some new signs and some old signs, which if it's a functioning building and it's a currently, you know, if it's a well-maintained or decently maintained, fully functioning building, you would have some stuff on the outside that was new and then have some stuff on the outside that maybe just hasn't been replaced yet. So, um, so that's what I did. Uh, and I threw in some, like some khaki dry sponging as well. Yeah. Just to kind of add like that dusty, dirty, like dingy look to some of the older signs. Right. Right. So you can still read the sign through it, but it has like a, a faded oxidized, dirty look. Oh, that's cool. You got that kind of look, you got that effect. Yeah, and then around the, the bottom, signs turned out awesome. Well, and around the bottom, I, sh- I, sh- yeah. I sent you those pictures. And for anyone who's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, visualize what I'm tra- what I'm talking about, I threw black and white versions of the walls up on Instagram and Facebook because I didn't want. So when I put up, some people ask why I put up black and white photos for my sneak peeks. Um, right, I was wondering that. Go ahead. Well, I do it because I think it's fun because you can't see the colors I'm using right away until you're done. Yeah, and then when I get my final photo done and I'm happy with it, then I'll put my color photo up where it's like more impactful. Plus, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the black and white brings out things on your pictures that you don't see with color. Right. It adds. I think it adds a little more contrast. Um, where sometimes color would wash that out. Um, but I, th- I don't know. I think it's fun to kind of hide your final colors until uh, until it's, like, done, until you're happy yeah, with it. Yeah, you're making a mystery. Yeah. I mean, and you still see what I'm doing, so it's not, like, that big of yeah. a mystery. But but um, the – what was I getting at? Oh, around the bottom of the building, mm-hmm. I added – I used the same thing. I used the Earth of, the earth from AKA and I – I'm sorry, from MIG, ammo of MIG. And I right. used the uh, – where's the other one at? Oh, crap. Oh, I used streaking rust, but in a different way. So I took two or three of the ammo colors. Where are they at? No. Oh, uh, I can't find it right now. My stack yeah, you stuff. almost got to sit that stuff out before. I don't have, I put it all away now. I can't find it, but I'm not going to dig through my stack. Anyways, I took a, a, a few of the earth and, and more of mud colors from ammo of MIG. Right. Um, and... Uh, put them around the bottom, so that way that that bottom layer, which would be near the the dock or the and closer to the water, has that like darker um, aged rotted wood look. So, oh, okay, yeah, like uh, yeah, the rot, the that, yeah, like your board and batten starts to have, or your clapboard. Yeah, I'm sorry, to get, around yeah, the bottom, take on a. You know, mildewy, weathery, yeah, weather like dark, darkness. To a it. dark, yeah. a, that dark, soft, wet wood look. You know, yeah. You know yeah. when the woods got that soft, like mushy look. 
Yeah, it means that you're going to have to replace that wood soon. Yeah, those bottom yeah. parts of the siding are going to need replaced. Right, right. But, yeah, so I went around the bottom of the building and did that. It looks good. I mean, I, I especially love what you did along the bottom of the building. Um, I like to see that. I know that I, I've seen a lot of uh, Doug Fiscali's models. He always, even in his tutorials he, uh, on building buildings, he always does, he always mentions that, you know, for first couple feet up the walls, he puts like a, a, a light layer of dirt or earth color, you know, just a very faint, you know, it's subtle, but it gives you that, you know, that look like the bottoms, you know, a little dirtier because that's where all yeah. your human traffic is or your, or your well, auto traffic or, or moisture. Um, Moisture, wood. I mean, I uh, wood. I mean, uh, wood. There's rain. wood on your wood, by the way. No, no, <laughs> but no, but you're right. That's. I mean, the rain splashes, and yeah, I mean, it's sure. just exposed to more elements. And I think the right. one thing that the one thing that you have to be conscious of, especially if you're doing an older scene or an older that an older era of time for your layout, right, or diorama, is you know they probably didn't have pressure treated wood. No. Um, or they're just using pine boards and yep. they're probably treated with some kind of an oil, but after some time, those things still rot. So right. you need to show if it's an older building, you know, eight, 10 years old, it's going to show a little bit of rotting around that bottom edge where the wood or lumber is touching the ground. Oh, sure. I mean, unless you're using like a cedar for your build, but right. you know, not every region would be using cedar for, uh, the building or especially for siding. Right. Anyway, it's just an interesting thing. You don't, you know, if, especially for a building too, that's a seaside or waterside building, you mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily, you would have different weathering around the bottom where it's closer to moisture and closer to, um, you know, that water, that water line. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I um, Just for example, there is um, that, one building I did on the harbor down there, it's, uh, I did it a long time, a couple of years back. It was, um, uh, the one that says fish on the side, um, Del Giorgio, Del Giorgio fish on the, on the harbor down at the far end and look at the wood around the base of that. I, I did some very, very strong weathering or rotting some of the boards and wood on that, yeah. uh, on that model. And uh, it turned it, it turned out awesome. And it it's not been... drastic. It's not really. It's not overly done. No, but it was one of my best weathering jobs, I think. And, uh, I mean, uh, that's debatable. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. From for the of, of all the buildings I, I've built, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's it was the good. Best weathering, one of the better weatherings ones I've done, and I, you know, it, it turned out awesome for me. Um, however, uh, it showed. I wanted it to show that because it sits on the water all the time. Yeah, and the, your buildings that do sit on the water all the time are going to show, you know, even in a harbor, you're not well, especially in the harbor. ocean. Well, yeah, I mean, no, not, but any any building that's near near or water. on water is going to show more moisture right. wear. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. um, so I had I had fun with that, and it it, it, it is cool because it really brings out that kind of detail makes it makes the viewer look at it and say, okay, well, you know what? That that makes sense. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, it makes sense. Yeah. 
and, and, and it, it's even something... if you're not a modeler and you're seeing it, you're like, hey, look at that. He's showing rotted wood near the water. It's something that you don't see on first glance. Right, right. But when you get in closer and you look at that building, you're like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, that building's on a platform or a dock above water. And there's going to be waves, especially in in an inlet or an oceanside or a basin. There's waves, there's currents, there's storms that come in. That water is going to splash up on the bottom of that building from time to time. It's going to wear it out quicker. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, it's, I it's a good working... thing to do. Yeah, what are you working on, by the way? Well, I'm doing – I did a bunch of the buildings before with the um, – uh, with this, mo- this this module I'm going to put on the layout The uh, with the, the yacht basin and um, the uh, – uh, Rush Rock Falls yeah. mill. Um, I, this is another one of the yacht basin buildings, and it has um, it's it's a smaller building. I put some photos of that this up as well, and some of what I'm going to talk about. It is this. It has shingled siding. Okay, so I had to hand lay the shingle siding just like you would hand lay shingles on your some of your shingled roofs. It's done the same method. It's a little more difficult when you do that around these windows because when you place the windows in place and you want to make sure the siding is – when you go to cut the siding, unless you're putting it – unless you're putting it right up, you almost have to. When you put the shingles on and there's a lot of windows, this one wall alone, even though it's a short wall, has 12 windows on it, Okay. And so as a result, if you just go over top of the windows and then from the other side, cut them off through the window, what's going to happen is they're going to shift and move. Okay. Because they're, they're just going to slide and move. They really are. Yeah. Uh, even if you put regular glue down and glue them down, because guys, I know there's some people back there that are, you know, that are, I, I don't, I didn't put any glue down. What I did was I, I used my transfer tape and stuck the shingles on the side like I would on a roof. But I've also done it in the past with just glue. And I know there's people going, well, if you just use regular glue and you glue them down and let it dry, they'll never shift. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's a bunch of crap. They're going to break off then. Okay. So here's what I, I did on this one is I, I just kind of individually took each row of shingles right up to the edge of the window frame and then cut it and then cut and cut. It, it's tedious. Yeah. And then go to the other side of the window and then do the same. This is before you put the win- the titchy windows in. And then you have to do them around the openings. And, it's, and there's no other way around it if you want it to be effective without having them fall off or shift or, or slide. Okay. So I got all that done and they're, they're like, um, like brick or brick colored, Shingles, um, they're you know they're 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 like a, a you know a barn red kind of shingle, not real bright red, like a brownish red, mm-hmm. and um, and then of course white windows and doors and things like that, and it, and it really has a nice contrast to it. Now, different than what the directions said, um, I did not like the idea of trying to 
get my shingles on the corners to match up like the photo was. I don't know how Jeff Grove got that to happen on that magic photo he has. Black magic. But I was like, no way in hell I'm going to do that. And I'm going to gank it up. It's going to look like poop. So what I did was I just cut some white. <laughs> I, I painted some white 116th or uh, trim, uh, corner trim, and uh, weathered it. And then painted it and weathered it again with like a an off white or well, it's white but it's called misty white, and um, stuck them on each corner and I love how it turned out because it, it brightened up each corner and defined it. It gave it a very defined look, and then I put the roof on. Now the roof is supposed I did it as it's supposed to be done, but the directions and the the photos had um, a sa- uh, um, standing seam roof. And, um, I, and, you know, I started out thinking, okay, well, we'll do the standing seam roof. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, what color do I make it? You know, cause there's this, there's this one here is rust colored. Like it was a metal roof, a standing seam roof and it rusted and yeah. it looks beautiful, but I have so many rusty roofs everywhere. Right. I've done a million rusty roofs. And the other, uh, on the big mill building of this module, it's all the green shing I put green shingles on. Remember that? Right. And green rolled paper. Okay. Uh, rolled roofing paint, green roofing paper. And it turned out really cool. Well, I kind of wanted to give this the same kind of roofing paper or same kind of look. So I was like, well, let's copper it and make it a copper roof, uh, sta- standing seam copper roof. Um, which I've seen a lot of. Yeah. And, um, Pretty prevalent but, in and our put area. that green patina on. So what I did was I put the you know the roof on and I did all the standing seams. I did something that I haven't done much of before, and on each standing seam on top, but staggered over each seam, uh, one one at one height and one at another height. I put the snowbirds on the things that little catch the snow from sliding down and landing on top of you off the easier roof. Yeah. I put the snowbirds on. Well, the snowbirds from Titchy and HO scale are the size of a flea. <laughs> okay. And you have to, and, and you want to make them stand up so they are the shape of a bird. So if you zoom in, they'll look like the birds that are perched on the edge of the roof. Okay. But they're so tiny. They're, I'm not kidding you when I say they're the size of a flea. And um, so I'm ho- trying to hold them. I cut them out. And my dad and I, knows fleas because he has to wear a flea collar. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm scratching. <laughs> sorry. Anyhow, so I have um, um, I have these things in a tweezer, and I'm dipping them in the glue, and I was using, and, and I was using like a regular like tacky glue, and then trying to get them to stick, and they weren't, they weren't, they 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 didn't want to stay in place, and I'm like, this sucks. This sucks. You know. So what I did was I put like a, I, I got the CA glue out, took one single drop. I put a, made a little puddle on a post-it note, took uh, the CA glue, made a little puddle. And then I took a, a toothpick and I took one itty bitty tiny drop and dropped it on the standing seam where I wanted it to sit. And then I lowered it onto it in place. Okay. And then I took that accelerator with the needle nose, that needle tip. I have in my bottle, my needle bottle. And I just put one little drop over top of it and it made it solid, stay in place. Took me an hour and a half to put 18 of those 
freaking bird. I'm not doing snowbirds anymore. <laughs> I'm done with snowbirds. I was swearing. These things were popping out of the end of the tweezers. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't find them. If they fall on the floor, they're done. They're You're not gone. looking for them? No, I just cut a new one. <laughs> you cut your losses and move on. Yeah, I, I'm not going down. I'm not crawling around down the floor looking for one of those things. Now, you know, they're done. And they're not that expensive. I'll have to buy them. Just buy them some more. But <laughs> anyway, so I did all that. And I probably should have done it after I did the painting of the roof. So anyways, I painted it all black. Okay. Very gently. So my, so my, I didn't accidentally knock any off of those uh, snowbirds. Yeah. And so I got all that done. And then after it was black and the black dried, it wasn't black even. I used charcoal. Uh, that is also made by Ceramcoat. And uh, I used the charcoal. I love charcoal Ceramcoat, by the way. Um, and then I took – this is a Doug Fiscali off his um, – uh, his blog. He has a blog page, and you go to um, you go to Foscale Models blog page. I think you can find it, the link to it on his website. And he has all kinds of how-to articles on it. They're awesome, but you have to go way, way back. And I've done I because I know because I've read this and tried this technique before, but I wanted uh, to let everybody know where I got it. And um, there's a lot of it, awesome resources on that blog page. Oh, it is. It's cool. But his technique is what I use. You can find it, but you have to go back maybe a year or two, two years, I guess, to find it. But um, maybe even further than that. And uh, then I took a, a, a copper Sharpie marker. Okay. I have, I have the copper metallic Sharpie marker. And I, re I coated the entire over top of the the black i coated over it with the uh copper okay yeah you can leave a little you can leave some very thin black showing or the or the charcoal showing through uh so i had almost a completely all copper top roof um I, there's photos of this on our facebook page by the way stage step by step so you'll see the different effects as it goes and then i took after that dried well it doesn't take long for sharpie to dry um I have this other paint. It's made, and I love this. Um, Doug Fiscali said that you could use some kind of a, a green, um, a mint green type of paint, and then mix a little bit of, of white in it, his article says. Um, but I found one that I don't really have to mix any white into, and that is made by Americana. It is called Pistachio Mint. I have and that. It's the it is the perfect copper color, and I dry brushed it over top, very lightly dry brush it over top of the copper uh, that you painted, okay? And you want to let some of that copper show through a little bit, and you're doing it up and – I was doing it from you know a vertical motion up and down, vertical up and down uh, on the roof uh, from, point, from the peak down and, and up, but – uh, you let some of the copper show through. So, you know, you, you can see there, there's actual copper under it. But it gives it that patina look. And when it dries, it dries like a, a whitey mint color like you get with a patina. But you also get – you also in rust – or in not rust, in, in the patina of copper, you also get some dark and darker shaded spots. So what I did was I just took some 
of my uh, um, pastel chalks. Yeah. Owned by pastel, you know, ground pastel colors in in black. It wasn't even black. It was like a dark dark gray. And uh, it just kind of brushed a little bit. I mean, just a tiny, tiny little bit. And mixed it on faintly to a couple little spots here and there along the roof. And it gives it multi-shades of copper and patina with a little bit of darkness in it. You know, it, it, it's, it's cool. It turns out nice. It draws out nice. So uh, look, at the, look at the photos. You have to toy with it. You know, to get the effect that I did in the past, to get the effect now that I did, I had to practice in the past. When I did another model with something similar. Um, I also did some, like, um, you know, um, gazebo rooftops and type things like that. Right. Um, and uh, I think it was a, a couple of uh, rooftop. Cupola. Uh, cupola. And I've done that. And and so, you know, those those types of things uh, I practiced on. But then also to to master it, I, I did it on some scrap wood, you know. Uh, just practice those the technique on scrap wood or scrap pieces of lumber. Yeah. Uh, just to get the effect that you want, and, and once you do that, then try it on your model. Uh, yeah, I think you'll you'll like the results. You know, or a piece of scrap cardboard. Just use cardboard, like chipboard. Yeah. I mean, we got um, plenty of that laying around. Essentially, that's what this roof is: chipboard yeah. with uh, uh, you know, two by four standing seam lumber on the top going up and down. Uh-huh. So, um, but. Yeah, uh, so I did that, and then I put rafter tails on this model uh, that comes out from under the roof. I just finished them up here this evening, and then um, now it'll be able to be placed next to the other two white buildings as an extension off of those. It's a very neat contrast of a building. The back side will be up higher on a different. Or the one side will be up higher on a where the garage door is will be on a different level than the lower front end you'll just have to see it when i'm done yeah i I worked on that a lot uh this week and i'm really happy with the the results and now i'm ready to do that along with built put that into place this weekend starting tomorrow night i believe uh with some um some stack stone walls nice uh, around near, near and around it it'll look cool uh, you'll have to just have to see it. It's gonna look really. It's gonna look really neat. I, I think. can't wait. I'm excited to try it. And uh, so, so there's that. That's it. I do have a new product that Ooh. I bought this week. It came in the mail this week. Um, it's a you know, I was always using an optimizer for looking up, you know, and working on detail parts. Right. Uh, at my workbench. And the optimizer was nice and all, but the problem is it's cumbersome on my head, and it squeezes around my head. It's, it's got a plastic band on it, and it's a plastic. It's heavy, and uh, it just feels weird. And it doesn't have, it doesn't have a mine doesn't have a light. Okay, so I'm talking to a buddy of mine who I went to school with, and uh, he is um, a professional jeweler. Make he makes jewelry. Uh, designs jewelry, I should say, for major jewelry companies and such. And um, he's he's his work is impeccably beautiful. When I say uh, major companies like the the jewelry companies you see advertised in your you know on on TV and in your in your 
catalogs and things that your wife may have around the house from certain jewelry companies. That's the kind of stuff he designs for those companies. Um, and he does a lot of that stuff with, you know, just the, the, the designs work itself. He has 3d printers. He's very talented. And he transfers that into his actual working with metal and, and gems. Um, anyways, he works with a special type of, I, he, he's asking me how I do the, the detail, um, the detail work on my on my stuff because he likes looking at my at my work. Yeah, um, he appreciates he, the craft. Right, right. And uh, I, I told him I use his Optivisor thing, and he showed me a link to something he just recently got. I guess it's um, he got it. I guess in the spring. And you said it wasn't and, that expensive. No, it's not. Um, it's it's called. Let me get it here for you. And um, shoot. Where's my case? There it is. It's made by a company called Vision Aid. The website for it, I can tell you about where to look it up. I have a website for it. It came in a couple weeks because they were back ordered and backlogged. We have everything going on with this this coronavirus stuff. So, I mean, everything's a little bit behind. And it came out of San Diego, I believe. And they. I, it might even have shipped overseas, yeah. but it, did, it took a couple weeks, like two weeks, I guess, or two weeks yeah, to get here. Yeah, not that much. No, it wasn't terrible. Um, the company name um, is that makes it. It's called Vision Aid. Um, it comes the one I have comes in a black case. Let me find. Uh, I, I wasn't. Per- I forgot about that. But hold on. It is neat and handy. So go to the website. Let me find it. I think it's neatandhandy.com. It is neatandhandy.com, and then look it up there. It is a it, – it's almost like a pair of sunglasses with the you know, the earpieces that go on like your glasses. Yeah. And then it goes up over your over your forehead like an Optivisor would. It's very, very sleek in design and lighter weight. And then it has a little LED light on the top, and it has two different settings, a high and a low. You just re- you can just reach right up and push a little push button. And you can get battery-operated version or a rechargeable version, a USB rechargeable version, which I bought. Um, and then, of course, it has five different lenses in a case that you can fit up into. Uh, you can change the lenses out. And you get five different types of lenses. I think it goes from 1.0 to uh, 3.0 or something like that. Oh, wow. and, there, and there's five different uh, magnifications of lenses. And they just easily pop right in place. It comes with a little dust cloth in it. Or, you know, like a, like when you get with a good pair of sunglasses, you get a, uh, you know, the cleaning cloth. Or you buy regular you know, prescription glasses. They always throw one into the case. Yeah. Kind of like that. A soft cloth. Um, I ordered mine with a case. If you order it without the case, you're looking at $28, dollars $28, Okay, it's really nice. It's very comfortable. You can pop if you wear glasses like I do. You can you can pop off the arms of the like the glass where you would have your your arms that go over your ears. The uh, the glasses arms, what do they call them? And you would pop them off the earpieces. And you could instead snap into place a strap, an adjustable um, elastic strap that will go around the back of your head. 
and I put that on. So that way it doesn't interfere. You know, I don't have two sets of earpieces, one for my glasses, my bifocals, and one for my – and the nice thing about this is I don't have with the optimizer is uh, with the optimizer, I got to sh- be careful around my glasses. Here it sits right in front of my glasses. It's it's not right in front of it. It's like uh, maybe a half inch away from my glasses. It doesn't interfere. It doesn't touch them. It doesn't even come close to touching them. It's very comfortable. Right. Um, I love it. I, I, I was using it last night, and it, it's it's awesome. I even took it in. Uh, I even took it into the living room and tried to read my book with it, uh, just to see how I did. You know, because I might decide to read at night. And it's a light bothers your mom, so uh, I thought maybe I could take a, a book into bed and start reading in in bed at night before I go to bed. And uh, it, you know, weird, but you know, it just um, I I I was able to read just great with it too. I mean, but it's. But it's it's awesome. It's for here. Um, you plug it in the USB to charge it up, and you get like six hours of light time on it. It's very bright. Um, the the light adjusts, and fo- you can adjust it and tilt it into different positions, almost like a headlamp, Brett. Nice, kind of like that. Same kind of elastic strap on the back and everything else. And but it, you know now you get the magnification out of it, and uh, and a very comfortable nose piece that fits down over your nose that, that it rests on. And uh, it, and that also does not interfere with my glasses whatsoever. Right. So um, I you know you have your glasses nose piece, but then you have these as well. So uh, does not interfere. Um, I I like it. Um, if you get it with the protective case, it's like a it's like a zip up protective case, and it's got like a hardness to it. It's it's you know it's got cloth covering over it. Um, if you get it with a case, it's fifty bucks. That's for the battery-operated version. It's $53 if you want the rechargeable version with the case. If you want it without the case, you're looking at $28 or $25 to $28. Yeah. For one for the rechargeable, $28 for the chargeable. So one for the battery is $25. Yeah, I, I like it. It's cool. Look it out. Look it up. Check it out. Um, it's, it's very easy to find, neatandhandy.com, and go check it out. Uh, I, I recommend it. So... And this guy does too. He's a professional, and uh, I mean, he's a professional jeweler. He works all day long with a thing. He said he wears it almost daily, and uh, you know, he said he loves it. So, anyhow, that's it. That's that's my new toy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and thanks for talking me out of taking your old Optivisor. <laughs> I, I, th- I think you would do well with having one of these. I don't need it. I, I see fine. Like I'm fine. Yeah, yeah you're thirty. Yeah, so, well, I'm, yeah, I'm 31, but wait till wait. Give me 10 years. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hold on to those glasses for 10 years. I'll, I'll need them. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. But hey, well, let's get into uh, some patron what? topics and questions. Oh, okay. and some I didn't funny... know you put anything up, but go ahead. I did. I did. Last right. minute, but I got it. Let's do it. Uh, so this was on our Facebook overtime at the bench patrons group. Uh huh. Uh, first one is from Jake Johnson. Discuss some modeling techniques, tools, equipment, etc. that you would like to learn more about. Ooh. Hmm. I had this conversation with Jake online, oh. texting back and forth with him a couple nights ago. I have one that I'd and, like. Uh, well, you go first. Go no, you go first. Well, I, 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 I would like to maybe look into – I was looking into um, a, um, uh, a 3D printer option. Yeah. And just trying our hands at some Well, they're getting printing. cheaper now, too. Well, yeah. And um, um, one of our other listeners, James, 
Um, he was talking about uh, a 3D printer that runs only runs like in a hundred fifty dollar range. Yeah, and they him and Jake both said it's an excellent printer, uh, 3D printer. And I was thinking about something along that lines, hmm. and um, and just to try it out, you know. Yeah. But then Jake kind of said, you know, it's a you're better off letting somebody else try and do that for you uh, if you need something 3D printed and. And, uh, you know, you got to have some design skill and stuff like that. And I don't know if I do. And, uh, yeah. So, but that's something I wouldn't mind at least exploring. So, what I told him instead, what I'd like to do uh, at some point, and I got to figure out how, um, I don't know if I want to take up all my space with a 3D printer either in my workspace. Right. But, I would like to be able to find some more, a little more space workbench wise, and then do a maybe a paint booth with a airbrusher. Finally, Ooh, try it. Ooh, all right. I don't know, just an idea at some point. I don't know when or how or what yeah. I'm going to do exactly, but you can get a small maybe. compressor. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I'll tell you what mine is. I would like to learn more about those cricket cutters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You and I talked about that. And they're not that much money. No. Especially with, like, you know, Black Friday sales coming up. Yeah. Um, it might be worthwhile to keep our eye out on a cutter like that. Because yeah. what I would find value in with that is cutting our own lettering for signs, cutting out stencils, cutting out, yeah. if we get that, that hobby, that task board stuff. Not task board, but the, the stuff that they are starting to laser cut detail parts on. Laser board. Laser board. I'm wondering if you could cut detail parts out on that. I don't see why not. So I would be interested. Again, we'd have to be able to design the things. But yeah, yeah but they're flat files. True. True. Yeah. It'd be interesting to try and learn the cricket. I know Dan Banks has one. Uh, one of our po- uh, patrons and one of our listeners. Um, yeah. But it would be interesting to learn a little more on those cricket cutters and the types of materials you can cut with them. Types you cannot cut with them. Yeah. Uh, I know there's different blades that go with them and stuff like that. Um but they're, you know, they're 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 a fairly entry level piece of equipment. They're meant for like scrapbookers mainly, I think. Yeah. Let me know uh, you guys that are out there that may have one of these or work with them. I feel like that'd put, be fun. Put a post up on our Facebook page. Uh put a put a post up and and let us know how you what you've been able to do with them, if you could share some photos. Yeah, I would love uh, that. You know, let us know if, if you've tried it and there's some pitfalls. Um, like I said, like Brett was saying about the cutter blades and things like that, let us know what you work with on them and, and uh, give us a little insight. Um, I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next one is from Ron Piskel. Uh He was just saying he's in the mood for a good Todd rant. Uh-huh. You got any rants? Man, if you don't, we got some other ones. I do, up. but I don't want to go there tonight. Uh, I, I I promise you a rant next week. Well, I have uh, one that you can rant on right now. Okay. Also from Ron Piskel. What was the most annoying kit you've built? <laughs> 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 Just let uh, it fly. Am I allowed? I mean, do it. Do it in a way that's not like offensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Am I allowed to name the company? No. Yeah. See, I don't want to do that, Dan. Just I don't do want to, it. I don't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to badmouth because if if I say it, it's going to badmouth. All right. Well, then we'll just skip it. 
Yeah, I, Ron. Look, we don't want to <laughs> badmouth the company and 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 be that guy. Just know that they're out there. Um, it's nobody we've ever had on the show. I got one. Uh, their kit is not somebody. The kit we have had is not anybody we've ever we've never had on the show. I've got one. In fact, I don't even know who owns the company. Well, um, I think I know who you're talking about, and I think yeah, they've been recently yeah. bought. Oh, okay. We can talk about that later. Um, okay. All right, we'll just move on from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a that's shaky ground. I was telling you know what I got I got a rant. Yeah. I cannot stand the cost, and we've talked about this before, but I've been looking around recently. I cannot stand the cost of a good vehicle. Oh, yeah, that kills me. And kills I know me. we've talked about this on the show maybe, you know, a few times before. Yep. But it drives me nuts that I cannot, like, for the life of me. And I'm not blaming the hobby shop on this. No. No, because they have to charge what they pay. The reseller, the reseller is the reseller is stuck because they got to make a markup. I get it. You know, it's not their fault. But I noticed it when I was at the hobby shop down there this weekend at Mainline Hobby. He's got a lot of vehicles, and I love to look at them. And I'm picking them up, and man, they're they're thirteen to twenty five to thirty dollars, depending on what you're. Shit, I could buy a small kit for that. Yeah, no kidding you. And it's just a little tiny vehicle. No, don't get me wrong. You have to put it together, and, and it is a cost kit. involved, yeah. Right. And then there's other ones that are already the mini metals and stuff, and they're nice. You know, they're, there's if you're modeling the 50s and 60s and 70s, mini 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 metals are awesome. Oh, I mean, yeah. they have a few that are in the 1940s, and I bought some, and I love them. And um, But they're not cheap. And, uh, and no. I... I I and I don't understand why. Um, I don't understand why I can go and if I want to buy, I want to buy a relative or a little kid a Hot Wheel or a Matchbox <laughs> that are, and I'm looking at them in the store and they're like super well detailed. Well, I'll tell you why. Scale, but we don't need to get because they that. buy them in mass. I understand <laughs> they make them in mass. I get it. They're made for worldwide for kids. Okay, but. Um, Quantity, yeah, like, baby. Quantity. Like Two dollars. What's that? Quantity, baby. Quantity. I understand. I get that. I get that. But man, you, you when you're charging eighteen dollars or to twenty five dollars for a, a die cast metal bus, oh, I, I say f that, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I am. I mean, I, I am. It, it, it's. It, it kind of makes I, you want to go get the Matchbox car. Matchbox it car. does. And I, and I laugh at those people that put the Matchbox. But now I don't. But now I look at it and go, now I understand why you're doing it. You know? So what if they have all had the same tires? So what if it's a if it's a fire truck with uh, hot rod wheels? And flames okay? down the side. Yeah, and, and an engine sticking out of the top of the roof. <laughs> yeah. the, hood of the, the hood of the fire truck, you know? It's a big, shiny, uh, shiny <laughs> silver engine popping out of the top. Okay, I get I, I I get it, you know, but man, man, I I look at them prices and I'm like, oh my god, you know, somebody got to step it up here, you know, uh, you know, Jordan when they didn't go out of business all that long ago, and when they were selling them, when they were in business and selling them, they were 
you could see on the boxes the prices were just a couple dollars. Okay? Yeah. Bring it back, man. I don't know who here's here's the thing. I there's rumors about the Jordans. Okay. I've heard rumors and I don't know which one's true and which one's not. I heard that the that the molds for those have been destroyed and nobody has them anymore. And then I've heard that the somebody owns the molds but they won't let anybody have them. The family owns them or so, I don't know. Okay, my question is this. There's billions of people on this planet. Why the hell can't somebody just design some and make some? Or 3D print them. Yeah. You know? The technology was out today. We have the technology. Right. And And those Jordans are awesome. But, you know, you can't tell me that we can't recreate molds and make new molds for vehicles and and do maybe not the exact same pattern but you know if somebody has the time and energy and wants to make some money man that's what to get into yeah and then don't sell them at freaking twenty dollars a piece there's a reason here's the thing with the vehicle market jordan goes out and they become a commodity I mean, everybody wants them, right? So now, if you want them online, you're paying $15 a piece for them. So then these other companies are going, well, everybody's buying the Jordan ones for $15. I'll sell mine for $15. Well, you know what? The reason they're selling the Jordans for $15 is because there aren't any more, right? <laughs> That's right. But you're still making them. You're still making them, and you're, you're screwing people. Well, I mean, there, there could be some other costs involved that we don't know about, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You want to sell a lot of them? I will low. I will load up on vehicles if you drop that price. I will put. I would love to fill my layout with tons and tons and tons of vehicles. Okay, if you drop that price, I'll yeah. buy them up. The first you know? person. I'll just say They're this. Gonna sell. I'll you just say this. It. Yeah. The first manufacturer of vehicles that can come in at a low cost, and uh, maybe maybe you're cutting your profit margin by. A couple percent, right? But the first one that does it will sell. It'll sell like hotcakes. Yep. So you might drop it by a few percent, but you're going to sell quantity over over the profit over the you're, higher markup. Hey, guess what? You're going to have to work a little harder. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have to make a lot more. You're going to have to yeah. work harder. I get it. Okay, but but you'll be the go-to. Gonna- yeah, that's right. You're going to be the rich guy. You're going to be <laughs> it's the like guy Amazon. It's, it's like pay itself off. It's baby. like it'll be like Amazon. It's a race to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's no race to the bottom, unfortunately. I mean, and I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that we need to, you know, undercut these manufacturers because a lot of these guys that make stuff and a lot of these companies that make stuff work their asses off to make stuff. Right. I get it, um, but you know, figure out the number of vehicles that go in each person's city. Yeah, uh, and if you look at a normal city or a normal town, there's a yeah. shitload of vehicles, and I feel like that's under. They're, they're, right, they're, they're done because it costs too much. Yeah, so people skimp on vehicles. Yeah, you, you look at a layout now, and you see like you see a city, and there's six cars. Okay, and I've seen layouts that are really well done. We go all the trouble of making a completely. De- Thanks, Ron. You got a, r- a rant going, baby. So you got. <laughs> so you got. You spent all this time 
doing every blade of grass and every detail that you've painted on your buildings, on your sidewalks, on your streets, in the farms, okay, whatever. And because you could do it for the cost of like five vehicles. You have painted you you even went to the point of putting lots of people on your layout and you got a handful of vehicles in a city. Okay? Because the price is not we don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you at all. And, and, but it sucks. It sucks because we don't have that you, know, you don't it, it's the one it's the one detractor um from complete reality in this hobby. Yep. It really is. <sighs> well, anyway, that was a good rant. Move on. All right, next one. James A. Powell. What are some household items you use with, while model building? Household S- items? Something that oh, wasn't specifically... Beer can. A beer can, yeah. Oh, I use it when I model. Yeah. I know. We all do. For consumption. <laughs> <laughs> I got... <laughs> I have one that's a little bit uh, different. I might have talked about it previously on an episode or something. Um, do- I go to Dollar General and I buy pencil boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. For storage. Yeah, you say about that? Yep. They're like they're a dollar. Yep. Pencil um, boxes, cigar boxes. Um, but what's another one we haven't talked about before? Maybe. Oh boy, I have a shot glass. I use shot glass. No, not to drink out of. I use a shot glass. You turn it upside down. It's got a little divot on the bottom of it. Ah. And you sit. You turn it upside down. Sit it on your on your workbench, and you can put like a puddle of glue in there, like white glue or wood glue. Yeah. And you can use that for uh, using you know for for when you're building your model. And the nice thing about that is is you don't have to worry. It's up. It's up higher. I I do like to use my post-it notes. Okay. And you've all seen that on the videos. Okay, but sometimes I like to use this because my post-it note, if you sit it flat on your surface and you start working, you forget about it, you guess what? Guess where sometimes you put your arm? Right in the right puddle of glue on your post-it note. And, yep. if, it's, and if it's crazy glue it's or super glue. stuck to your elbow. Glue, yeah. Good luck with that. So this, with the, with the, uh, with the shot glass, it's up off the off up off the ground by, you know, two inches or, or so, and up off your working surface. And you're not lowering your arm into it. You I know? think. Um, I think another one we I use quite a bit. It doesn't of, tip over real easy either. Another one I use quite a bit of is the uh, the mozzarella or Parmesan cheese sprinkle containers. Oh yeah, yeah, those are great. I got um, a ton, and, I'm looking and, around and I got a ton of them laying around. Me too, and and they're great. You know what I? You know we were talking tonight about doing the um, uh, what the hell the. Uh, grass no the 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 tile grout oh yeah yeah and I, and i filled a couple of them with the smaller ones with tile grout so the, the, the that i'm using so i can sprinkle the dirt out from it and then i use any, also really any plastic. old any old spice container is is perfect yeah, spice containers are awesome they're also good for um ground foam that type of thing the small ones um, are good too like the, if you have like a if you have, if you like to put like garlic powder on your pizza, yeah, you know, or or you like to put some yeah. um, oregano on whatever you're making, save right. the smaller like McCormick sized spice yep. containers when you're done, because God yeah. knows you paid five dollars for a spice you're going to take four years to finish, but yeah. um, you know your wife's got 
uh, $8 spice that she finally finishes. Take that container, and um, the small ones are good, too, because you can break them out into different mixes or smaller batches of things, too. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, when you get when you buy the, the Woodland Scenics, like, ground foam and stuff, it's just a spice container. You just put it in a spice container. Yeah. So Now, you know what? The, the dirt that we use, any dirt in one of those shakeable spice containers are awesome for doing small, yes. remote little places. Yes, yes, For sprinkling yes. your dirt out onto in small little corners and things like that. Another th- also, um, the the 10 pounds of dirt I've put, you know, the, uh, the tile grout. Yeah. You know what I put them in? I buy the big plot. I, you go to, the, to if you go to Costco or BJ's or wherever you end up going, or you know, Sam's Club or whatever, and you buy the large containers of like pretzels and things oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have the screw pub top mix. caps, pub mixes, that type of thing. Those kind of plastic, hard plastic containers save those. Perfect for that you know? kind of stuff. Um, and those are good for storage in general. Them. Yeah, because I'm bringing the one big container down. I'm going to split this and I'm going to keep some here at the house. And I'm going to bring some of that grout down to your place next time I come down in a bigger <laughs> container. So we have the dirt and stuff we need for down there on the layout. And um, But but those are awesome to store them in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, they're, they're nice because they're airtight. They're heavy plastic. And they're not going to – you're not going to get moisture much in them. Right. And, and they're good that way. So no, there I you go, it. James. I love it. That was a good question, James. Yeah. All right. Next question from James – a little silly, but I'll, I'll answer it. Would you rather see Jason Jensen's railroad models, or would you rather see his sci-fi models? I'm I'm a I'm a I'm the structure models. I love his structure models. His sci-fi models are sick. It, I will say one thing. I am super jelly of his sci-fi models. <laughs> Number one, they because cool. I'm not creative. I, I don't think I have a creative enough mind to take, that. to take yeah. a chapstick tube and a Red Bull can and turn it into something badass. Yeah. But, and, and he used, uh, he used like Nerf um, gun parts and Nerf super circle parts. Yeah. Like, Oh my word. So, uh, I would, I mean, I just like to see it all. Don't throw away your, when your kids outgrow their toys, don't throw them away. Give them to Jason Jensen. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I, but I mean, I mean, I, I like seeing both. I, I mean, I in, I adore his um, structures too. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, he does uh, he does awesome work. Just about anything Jason builds, I would love to see either of them. Um, James, you know, obviously, his talent is uh, oh, uh, it's unprecedented. It is as unprecedented. well as James's. I will say unparalleled because there are other great modelers out there. Yeah, I will say unprecedented. It's, Just uh, like James, sure. yeah, so. yeah, James. Oh, James, by the way, um, has he's been putting them in some of the groups. He's been putting up pictures of his latest build, and it is just off the wall. Um, you just gotta look for his 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 builds. I can't explain. He does stuff with the military modeling paints and things like we do, but he does them to he he's done them on this latest build. Oh, it's to, to a different degree. Uh, oh, it's, it's 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 sick. Different it's, degree. It's, it's just amazing, uh, and, you know. And no wonder him and uh, no wonder him and Jason are good friends like that. And uh, yeah, um, they they share some of the same ideas. It's it's it's, it's awesome. So yeah. anyhow, 
Yes. All right. Next question. William Knight. Any idea how many different Craftsman kit might makers there really are out there? I found an odd model in San Antonio from a company called Alpine Craftsman Kits. It mentions soldering. So I guess there's a lot of soldering in that kit. Um, William, I don't really know what the current count of Craftsman Kit manufacturers is. I'm sure there's way more than we know. And I'm sure there's some that have been in and out of business but their products may still be on shelves and i think there are i think there are different like we do craftsman kits that are that we're all familiar with we've we've touched on a lot of the ones from the east coast but the west coast and east coast have different manufacturers that make different types of kits and buildings yeah uh based on where they're from their regions yeah the regions yeah and then of course you have some uh, kits that are made just for the model railroaders. Are there any? We don't even really get to see. There are some companies out there I just now have seen late, recently that I was like, oh, and they've been around for ages, but I never hear of them. But you know, you know, they're at you know they go to like your your more of your train modeling core of people, and it's a shame. Uh, we need right. to look into that a little deeper. Um, there's many out there. There's many out there, William. I wonder if there's any in like Europe. Oh yeah, like no, there no are. craftsman kit there model. Are. No, but craftsman. I know. I mean, mean, it'd be interesting to talk to some of them. Yeah, we should try and yeah. we should try and search, some, seek some of them out, and, and chat. The with only them. problem with that is, I know this European architecture works in some U.S. type towns and cities that you try and model, and then there's some that don't. Yeah, but you know what, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of European model railroaders and European model builders. Right, right. So maybe it'd be interesting to try instead. Of, we have we have our eats meets eats meets west. Right. Oh, we should we do talk with some. We should do yeah. our U.S. meets uh, Europe. Europe model building. Now, don't get me wrong. Hey, most of your cities in the East Coast here have architecture that's European. Oh no, you're because, right. You're right. I mean, because back in the day. They brought it with them. The immigrants came over here, and that's how they built. Yeah, and I some mean, of those one, and they wanted to. Today. They wanted to emulate where they were from, and then that's right. the way they built. So that's, that's also why a lot of town names in the Northeast are yep. na- like named after cities or countries. Um, yeah. you French know, and British, uh, German, and German, yeah, and German cities, and, yes. and Eastern European cities. Right. So, right. I mean, PA's got. Lebanon and a whole, you know, crazy, a bunch of, bunch of really northern and eastern Europe, European named yeah. cities in our area. So right, and you'll see some of that architecture, especially uh, in big cities like uh, Quebec City, um, in Canada. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see the the French architecture, a wide European, variety of, of architecture. European. Yep. Yes, and some so. of your New England towns, you will see that as well. Totally. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, next one from Dan Pugach. Tell us more about the tech side of things. Making podcasts, what software you use, what mics you use, live streams, cameras, lighting, any tips for the any tips or learned the hard way advice for anyone who wants to start a YouTube channel or podcast. Um I'll kinda head this one up. Yeah, please, because I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 an idiot this way. So I'm not gonna say that I have the most refined or fine tuned setup um 
we are what we are with a podcast. Uh, I, I mean, you, you listen to the most popular podcasts that are out there, and their audio quality is much more refined than ours, obviously. Right. But yeah. compared to where we started, we've made some pretty, pretty large improvements, I would say. Yeah. Um, you learn. But I don't want to sound like, you know, we're... I don't want to sound like we're too super fine because that's kind of our style, you know, like yeah, yeah. we're a little rough around the edges and, and I'm fine with and that. We are. We're a little rough around the edges as people. If you yeah. met me, I'd be, you know, you know, I'm a little rough around the edges, but yeah, um, some of you have, some of you've hung out with us. Yeah. We, uh, we, but, we say what's on our mind, <laughs> but, but, um, so going into the technology of it, um, and I, and I was actually thinking about upgrading a couple things on my end, um, just yeah. to kind of refine our process, our process a little bit, and maybe give you guys a little bit better of an experience with our podcast. Um, yeah. But I may soon need a new swivel mic stand. Oh, is yours wearing out too? Mine's all yeah. bent to hell. Well, mine's not so much bent. It's, it's made out of like aluminum <laughs> cans. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't hold its position real well all the time. Oh, mine does. You just got to tighten it. I did. I have these things oh. tight. I mean, you know how strong my hands are. You know, right? You, All right, we'll get you a new stand. Break, a tool break in my hand. You've seen a tool break in my hand. We don't need to talk about that. Right, it was, it was horrifying. It was, it was okay? yeah, it was trauma. That's how strong my hands and arms are. And and I tighten these knobs <laughs> on this thing, and I, you, I don't know if I'll ever be able to untighten them. <laughs> <laughs> you can strip the, the screws out of them. I don't know. I mean, they're they're just and and now it's just not. It doesn't seem to have it same. Well, we'll work on that. We'll work on same. that for you. Yeah. But basically, let me run down what I have for a setup and how I record this. So currently, my dad and I use Skype. Um, it's no secret to you guys that we don't sit in the same room, especially right now during COVID times. We don't sit in the same room and record. We never did, though. No. We did well, like we've done like two episodes that way, and it was a catastrophe. Actually, it was easier <laughs> to record when we're not in the same room. Yeah, because you don't. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it was bad. Anyway, we'll just yeah. say that. But um, uh, you know, we um, we record on from Skype. I do a mix minus through my soundboard. If you don't know what a mix minus is, and you're into looking that kind of stuff up, look look up what a mix minus is and what that yeah, entails. Yeah, I'm on this damn show. I know you know what that is. It allows me to pump my soundboard back through Skype without my dad hearing himself on an echo. Um, Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, no one wants to hear two or more Todds. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, so uh, I use a a, um, Behringer Xenix 802 soundboard. It has the ability to have up to six inputs from an XLR or a um, like a red black audio left right input uh, line, and then a USB if I need it. And then there's a couple auxiliary inputs too. If we ever get a little more sophisticated and want to add like a a soundboard that would like pump audio in, but I never got we haven't gotten that far. Um, but it's a pretty basic soundboard that we use. We have. We both use Neewer mics, any NW800 Neewer mics. Um, I looked them up. I know how to do the mic part. Well, your mic's the same as mine with a little caveat. My dad's works off a USB sound card um, that 
actually turns his USB port into a extra sound card for his laptop. Um, mine is an XLR, a straight up XLR mic that goes into my soundboard, and then his pumps from his microphone through Skype, which sounds way better than the damn USB microphones we used to use. <laughs> God, that th- those those sons of bitches sound like we were talking through gazoos. <laughs> <laughs> He did. Oh my god! Man, when I listen back, if you don't do this. Go all the way back to one, one through. When do we have it? Yeah, I think I got 20. new mics at like the forty-ish, fifty-ish okay, level. 40-ish, yeah. <laughs> man, like the first like three dozen episodes we did were through those. Oh, they, were, they were terrible. But man, it sounded like we were talking through kazoo's. <laughs> That's the only way to explain it. But uh, you know, so his audio pumps through a the same microphone, but um, through a USB sound card to me. Right. Uh, over Skype. Um, what else? I record with Audacity. Um, it's an open source free platform. There's a bunch of plugins you can get for it that I use to edit and uh, produce the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? So of I course, have? we uh, we oh. pay for our 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 bandwidth and that type of thing. Well, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll get to that next. Okay. Um, I edit the audio first off. Um, from a program called Leveler that's just, you know, evens out and levels out all the audio so you don't hear the differences in levels um, from one speaker to the other, which, you know, so if you have a podcast guest that's really loud or a podcast guest that's more quiet uh, and then we're a little more clear with our audio, it kind of levels everybody out so you can hear them appropriately and it sounds good, so you don't have to turn it up in, when someone's speaking quietly or turn it back down when someone's speaking loudly or more normal. Right. Uh, and then I do a couple other things in Audacity that I don't need to get into, uh, like some some oh, shoot. some audio sampling, some things to edit out with my dad, whatever my dad just did. I'll try to you know fix <laughs> things like that. Um, Knocked over a tacky glue container on my... Well, at least it's a slow glue. It didn't spray everywhere. Yeah, it's the upside down bottle. If you knock a tacky glue bottle over, it takes two weeks to even leak out, so you're good. <laughs> right, right. But, um, but anyway, so that that's a few of the things I do on, on the pre-production side. On the post-production side of the audio, um, I do run it through a program called um, Audition. I do some other things to it. I, uh, I If you ever want to get into mixing and editing the audio, I do – do a more refined version of audio for my. And how long does it take you to to? Um, I'd say a total edit. Well, including recording and editing, I think I spend probably three or so, three or four hours a week editing. And I mean, I don't edit a ton. Yeah, you guys obviously know that I don't cut a lot of stuff out of the podcast. But um, uh, you know, it's probably you know, it's a total of three or so hours to get an episode up. Um, yeah. it takes a little while. Um, I do a little bit more refined audio work for, for my actual job. Um, but I like the style of our podcast cause it's a little bit rough around the edges. And, um, even though we have the equipment to make it sound better and we've had, we've even had people ask us, you know, why we don't edit it more or why we don't do more with it audio wise. Um, and I feel like it would just, you know, I don't want to be, I want it to be a little bit unpolished i feel like that's kind of our style yeah i mean i don't want it to sound like a professionally don't get me wrong i want it to sound good but i don't 
I don't need it to be the best. You know, right. I feel like we've kind of established our style this way, and um, a lot of you guys enjoy it this way. So, so that's the way I that's the way I edit it, uh, and that's the way my dad and I continue to go forward with this. Um, on the other side, hosting wise, we just use Podbean, which is a pretty badass podcasting app. Uh, I use Podbean, and we just have our WordPress website. So that's the whole Mick. That's the whole rundown of the podcast. Right. Right. So. Um, as far as any tips for anyone that wants to start a podcast or a YouTube show or a channel, I would say start simple. Um, all of my YouTube videos, we get a lot of questions that are posed to us about what kind of camera I use or what kind of equipment I use for live streaming or for recording YouTube videos when we do one. Um, yeah. I honestly just use my phone. Yeah, I think, me too. I think the so my I do a lot of this with work. So with my current with my job, I have we have a lot of high end video cameras, high end DSLRs, a lot of photography, tons of video equipment, way more than my budget could afford personally. And yes, they look awesome. It looks great. You could waste a lot of time and and effort and spin your tires researching and trying to find the best cameras for your youtube channel or audio equipment for your youtube channel blah 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 whatever and you could spend a lot of money trying to get started which can be discouraging i think honestly the best way to start a youtube channel or to start cranking out some video content or start cranking out some audio uh like podcasts um is just keep it simple start small my dad and i started with some shitty ass USB microphones and they sucked. But guess what? Yeah. It it got us comfortable with doing it and we upgraded. And I might upgrade a little bit here as we go on cuz I'm at the point where I think I can try a couple new things to just make it a little bit more polished but keep the same feel. Um but I'm still trying to keep it simple. Uh it is a hobby podcast. And yep. most of our YouTube channels, even if you're going to create a new one, are probably going to be a hobby YouTube channel. Right. Um, I mean, hats off to you if you turn it into a full-time job with your YouTube channel. Um, let me know how you do it because I want to do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, keep it simple. With our YouTube videos, we use – I use my – I have a Samsung Galaxy Note 9. Uh, the camera on that, quality-wise – not much different than if I were going to buy an HD video camera because my internet connection is is going to limit the video quality of which I can stream. Right. So um, streaming-wise, I just use my, my cell phone. My dad does the same thing. Yeah, mine's, uh, a, with, uh, mine's a 10E, uh, same yeah. thing, Samsung Galaxy 10E. They both record in the same quality, but again, it's limited by a couple factors, your internet and the viewer's internet. Yeah. So the other thing we got to keep in mind with live video and streaming is it's only as good as the person who's watching it, their internet connection. So right. you could you can record it in 4K, sure. You can have a 4K camera, but if my device and my internet connection aren't able to stream or watch 4K, well, then 4K doesn't really matter because right. it doesn't matter. You can't watch it. Right. And I think a large majority of people in the your viewership and your audience are only going to be able to watch in probably 1080p. 
So don't waste your time and money trying to get the perfect thing to create content. If you're going to create content, and my I promise my rant's almost over. Well, most of your TVs and things that are coming out now are in 4K. Yeah, but I'm saying like if you're going to sit there and watch it on your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, you're sure your cell phone might play 4K video as advertised. Right. But that's only if you download a 4K video and watch a 4K video. Or right. if you have like 5G, fastest high-speed internet connection on your phone, everything's yeah. perfect. If you're not – if you don't have the perfect conditions to stream or watch 4K, yeah, you're going to watch it in 1080p or less anyways. Yeah, right. So my whole my, – I'll end my rant on this. I, did, I went off on – way off on this one. That's okay. If you're going to – your expertise thing. If you're going to start a podcast – or a YouTube channel, or you're going to just start creating content in any way, whatever you're doing, Facebook Lives, whatever you're doing. Don't overcomplicate it. I've seen a lot of people, and I've had a lot of people contact me because we have our show, and we have our YouTube and everything. And I'm sure other people who have YouTubes, like Jason or whatever, can attest to this. People will contact you and ask, what do I do to start my channel? My opinion is just get started Buy something, do, do something basic, figure out how to do it from your cell phone. If you've got a, an iPhone or a Android, you can do it from a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to spend a lot of money in the beginning. It's going to get you in there. It's going to, it might not be the best quality, sure. But the, I think the key is to just start creating content yeah. um, that people want to see. And who cares? If no one wants to see it and only, you only have 10 fans, they're probably your best 10 fans you could ever ask for. Yep. So I would rather just have see people get started and build it as they go versus wondering if this is the best camera, if this is the best microphone, is this the best this and that. Just get started and, and figure it out as you go. Ask other people as you go because I'll give you guys advice. If you guys want to start a YouTube channel or a Facebook page or whatever, your website, I'll give you guys advice. And my advice would always be to start small and simple and then as you gain – And have fun. And as you gain – an enthusiasm or an audience or whatever it is that you justify spending more money, then you spend, then you invest a little bit more and then you see how it works and then you invest a little bit more, see how it works. But don't go out and buy thousands of dollars worth of equipment and things to make it work because if it doesn't, then you've just discouraged yourself to try and create more content. And I'm done. Right. Holy shit, that was 15 minutes. (laughs) And when we first started this, we even said to ourselves, Nobody's going to listen. Who's going to watch it? <laughs> Who's going to even listen to us? Oh, yeah. Know? And we were just happy. We were thrilled the first week. I think you got uh, – when once you set this up, when you go to a, a place like Podbean or something like that, and you paid for uh, your hosting. I remember when we got you, our first listeners. Well, there are – there are our analytics and things that you can look at, and it tells you how many listeners you've had and you know, over the course of a span of time and a week or a month or yeah. whatever. And even a day. And um, you could check that all out. You'll drive yourself nuts at first with it. And, <laughs> and, and after a while, you just don't even look at it anymore. But we would, we would look and we'd go, oh, my gosh, this week we had 25 people. 25 you downloads, know? yeah. Yeah, 25 downloads this week. You know, from that last episode, and you're like, "That's great." This is the first, you know, first month or so, and and they're like, and we were like, "I can't believe that 25 people would actually sit in, this, in sit there and watch and listen to us for a full show." Yeah, you know, and then it started to pick up, and it started to pick up, and 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 we're even to this day we're just fascinated that 
People would actually listen to I'm us. blown away that I just logged in. Yeah. In seven days, we had 1.9 thousand downloads. Like, that. that's stupid yeah. to me. Like, that's yeah. – it, it just doesn't make sense. But whatever. And, and so it's it's all – it's all in having a good time. We have not changed our approach. Um, we are still overwhelmed. Whether we had, if we had three listeners, we would do this show. If we had fifty thousand listeners in a week, we would do this show. Yeah, and we don't. We have not changed how. By the way, our, we're not even close to fifty thousand. Oh no! <laughs> I'm just. I, was just I know what you mean. Example. I know what you mean. Right. So, so I'm saying we would have. It, it, it's we've kept the same approach. We've kept ourselves to where we just have some fun with this. And if if somebody it gets to the point where we don't even look now, it's kind of like it's whatever it is. If we had that many people, I wouldn't even know. You know, if I had four that week, I wouldn't know, and I wouldn't care. It, it's the same. We're having a good time with it. We met some great friends with this. And we've met some awesome people, and we've had the, we've gotten the opportunity to interview some of the very best in this hobby, and have some fun with it, and even became friends with a lot of them. And yeah. and, and and to us, that's worth everything. Yep. is to be able to do this. To me, that is, and I know it is to you too, Brett. I mean, that's the coolest is, part of it. It is. It's the people. It's what. It's all of you that make to make this fun. Right. You know, we can build, I can build all night, but I can't show it and talk and, and enjoy it with other people. And just have and a good laugh every now and then or it's talk, not to the people, same. talk to yeah. people about it. So, right. I can sit and squirrel away all by myself in, in, in a, in a, in a basement and, and work on my models and never share with the world or share why it works or, or know if anybody likes it or whatever. Right. Or, you know, I, and, and what fun is that? Right. You know, but here I get to share it with everybody, I get to meet people, I get to talk with people, and uh, we appreciate all you for that. Definitely. So, all right, yeah. let's get through these last ones here, and then uh, we're going to call tonight a wrap. Next one's from Greg Cassidy. What are the best toothpicks to use? <laughs> my wife keeps getting round mul- toothpicks. My wife keeps getting multicolored ones, and I tell her the plain ones hold glue better. <laughs> she, I've never seen a difference, but I'd like to be contrary. Um, <laughs> So, plain old brown <laughs> round toothpicks. Well, plain wood toothpicks. <laughs> I just get the like. It's like fifty cents for two hundred fifty of them at the, at the food store. I mean, I get the round ones, and they come in a little box. And I usually pick up three boxes, and I have seven hundred fifty <laughs> toothpicks. And that last wheel. J- James Powell says the plastic sword toothpicks are top notch. <laughs> <laughs> and you can put them in your. If you're using O scale, you can put them into your uh, your your, your pirate ship, hands, and have a sword fight. <laughs> if you have an O scale pirate ship, it's perfect. Jason, and you can have his his uh, sci-fi <laughs> men. They can have a sci-fi sword fight, and they can throw away those lightsabers. Oh man, that's too funny. I love it. All right. Um, have you ever used the colored post-it note with your glue and then the glue? Yes, I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> I was going to talk about this. Who said this? Who said Nobody. This? I just thought about it. Oh, I have. <laughs> I went to I went to BJ's, right? I, mean, I, I went to BJ's Wholesale. Oh I went in. Costco has the same thing. And you get the multicolored yeah. pack, yep. the bulk pack yep. of the post-it notes. It cost me like eleven ninety nine, but I'm going to have enough it's post-it It's like 10,000 post-it notes. 
Oh, it's forever, right? <laughs> so, so I got like I still got a million of them up there, and I just bought them a long ago. And, and anyways, the pink ones, the blues yes, are great. I'm using pink right now, and it does it. Oh, they're awful. It turns your glue pink. <laughs> the I, I was, in it turn your wood glue pink. I was looking at my post-it notes just now, and I thought of that, and I was like, I have to bring that up. That's the yeah. funniest thing ever. In fact, I might just take the pink ones to work and put them on my desk and use them there because, yeah, I can't use them here. No, now, the pink glue blues, comes out. Huh? The pink glue comes out. I know. I know what I'm saying. The blue ones, though. Do you have blue ones? Yeah, but I didn't crack into them yet because I'm trying to get through uh, these the pink blue, ones. The blue, the green, and the yellow are all fine. I don't have any it's just color pink. runs this. It's pink. It's like when you use red paint, craft paint. You ever notice when you use red craft paint in a paintbrush? Yeah. And then you wash it out, and then you go to repaint with it. And there's still some, there's still some red pinkish paint in you could it. Put, and I, you could put that paintbrush through the dishwasher, <laughs> and it'll still have red paint in it. It is. And, and once you once you clean your paintbrush from red paint, red craft paint, it can you can only red, ever use it for red paint. No, yeah, you got to take that whole. You got to take whatever you're washing your paintbrush out and. Wash it out and refill it with water. Don't use that water for anything else because you it, w- it will permeate all your other paintbrushes and and discolor your paint when you dip it back into your paint. You can't use it. Red sucks. So in that oh, regard, man, that was a good question, Greg. You you really set us off on a tangent there. Yeah. All right. Next one's from Matthew Hankins. Todd, please tell us about your scratch building and design process specific to your Sweeney slash Farnsworth house build. Photos, measurements, drawings, mock-ups, oh, etc. Well, I'm, I'm, I've done a couple other ones. What's uh, what I do is my process is this: I research it. So, um, the one I've done before, well, I've done two other prototype buildings like this. Um, we talked about them before on the show, even a couple times. I can't remember what episode. It's been a while back. I did a lighthouse. Um, a lighthouse light keepers, a lighthouse keepers building, not so much the lighthouse. The lighthouse is a lighthouse. Okay. But the, I did the West Quoty lighthouse. It's up in Maine. Yeah. It's one of the most northernmost lighthouses in the state of Maine or in our country, uh, in, in, in the Eastern coast. And, um, it is – I just love the design of it. So I saw lots and lots of photos. I went to libraries, looked it up, and I found um, information online um, of how uh, – some drawings and things like that that I was able to find through some um, historical archives. I can't even tell you which ones they were. But it has like the – now it's been – It's I believe it's a, it's, a, it's a park service that runs it now. So they have – design work, um, archives, that type of thing yeah. available online. And I was able to find some and I did that and I started making, and I started and I, and I did it. I went from that and, and, and created it. Um, and then just started and started looking at all the photos and things that I had found on it. And there's millions of photos online of it. And, and I went with that. The next one I did was also, done the same way in Annapolis. That was the Shiplap House. It's in downtown historic Annapolis, right near the waterfront area. It's on a little side, little alley street, and it's a really cool building. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's it's part brick on the one side and clapboard on another side. And um, it, it, the brick side is the side that faces your 
uh, your um, the brick ends are what faces the water side. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess from stor- for storms and things like that. Uh, it's it's just a really cool historical building. They have tours of it down there and everything else. And I recreated it. Um, I drew out. Uh, and what I did was I did the same thing. Did lots of research on that. Also, there are historical uh, websites that I found the actual drawings for that building, and it shows you how that works. And then I redrew it and transferred it into HO scale and rescaled it uh, and drew it out and put it onto uh, paper and sent it off to Kenny Crump, who did me the favor from Casey's workshop. Um, he did me a favor and he actually called, contacted me and asked me uh, if I wanted, if I, if, if I could use some help with it. And I said, yeah, I would like to like, I need laser cut brick because I was just going to use some brick sheeting, plastic brick sheeting and, and cut them out myself and do it that way. And, uh, he said, "Hey, if you want, I'll laser cut them for you, and we'll, you know, because that's a really cool building, and uh, he's familiar with it. He lives down that area, and uh, so I drew it out, gave him, sent him the drawings, and he took them and cut them precisely to match some um, titchy windows that are um, the windows that sit in brickwork. What's that called? Masonry windows. Sorry." So he cut them out to fit masonry windows from Titchy. I ordered the Titchy windows in the meantime while well, he cut them. And he cut the laser cut brick in, cut the windows out exactly as I needed them, the chimney tops. It worked out awesome. Yeah. And I, and I got a lot of that information from online, from archives, historical archives and things and drawings that they had. I still had them somewhere. I saved them on my computer somewhere. And um, so they're available. And then the one that's coming up is the Farnsworth House in Gettysburg. And it's, I'm doing two houses, and we're doing a c- scenario scene. Um, it's, a, it's going to be a uh, scene from 1863, first day of Gettysburg, when the, uh, the Confederates occupied the town down around um, the Farnsworth House at the base of uh, East Cemetery Hill. Um, and they, the Union had the high ground on the cemetery uh, with their cannons and artillery uh, at the end of the first day. And uh, the Confederates occupied the town, and they had a crack unit of Confederate uh, um, sharpshooters. Yeah. Um, they were up in the windows at Farnsworth House. They were like the Navy SEALs of, of uh, the Civil War. They were highly regarded, and all they did was sit up there in an attic, and they would take pot shots at the guys on horseback or the generals or the commanders up on top of that cemetery ridge uh, from this little tiny window on the side of that building. Now, if you go to that building today, it is a restaurant. It is still, it's in business as a restaurant. It's very, a very, very good place to eat. But also the side of that building where the brick is, you can see all the little pock marks on it from the mini balls that have hit it while the Union tried to fire back and shoot at these guys that they couldn't hit, by the way. And um, and then across the street is another building with also with bullet holes all over the wa- walls or, yeah. or on the one side. And that is that we call it the Twin Sycamores House. And I'm building that one, too. Um, there is plenty of information out there, especially on Gettysburg downtown buildings because of the history of everything. And there is diagrams and such. But I actually talked to the owner of the Farnsworth House and he actually took me around the grounds and showed me the different uh, 
the structure itself, when certain parts of the building were added and when they were not. And he gave me a book uh, with some diagrams and such in it and some photos and things. And I'm going off of that. And I took a million photos with a with my wife's good Canon camera. And um, she actually did, took the photos. I just kind of told her which right. photos to take. Um, and we're going to recreate that scene, the one house on the one side of the street and the one house on the other side of the street and i'm going to build it in a scene from 1863 put some soldiers down there um the whole works in ho scale and uh i'm going to recreate a civil war scene um in ho scale and right. uh, i'm looking forward to that but yeah it, you have to do the research you have to look up the stuff and you have to go take photographs but yeah and then you got to transfer it all into paper and and Get somebody to laser cut it, which I'm going to do as well. Yeah. Well, while you take a breather, I'm going to read the next question. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. That's as long as yours on uh, the technical. It is. All right. And there'll be more more on that as I build it. Last two. Uh, Anyone else doing Halloween, both scale and decorate around the house? That's from Lynn McCurdy. Uh, No, I won't be doing any scale. Gail Halloween. Oh, I guess we have the contest, so I'd be interested to see who has any Halloween stuff for the contest. Yeah, I want to see the contest winners and stuff. But, um, we but, got some good prizes for that, by the way. Yeah. So. But I'm not, I've not done any decorating yet, actually. We painted some pumpkins the other night. So Your mom puts decorations up, and yeah. I'm not sure I really noticed them. I'm not too um, into they're it. around, I mean. Don't get me wrong, man. I love carving pumpkins, and I'll paint a pumpkin or carve a pumpkin any night. Yeah. I'm down with pumpkins, but. I've been married that. 36 years, Brett, and I've seen 30 over after 36 years of looking at Halloween decorations every year, year after year after year. I don't notice one holiday from the next. I yeah. really, really notice the decorations because they're the same things all the time. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, my big thing. I just like carving pumpkins. Yeah, That's, all those pumpkins you painted were freaking badass. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, that was a fun yeah. night with the kids. Yeah. Last one is from Mariah Whitaker. Not something you could do in the podcast, but I would love to see an overall layout tour. Uh, we will do a layout tour video here probably soon. Um, I was thinking yeah. about doing that anyways, so that'll come soon. But uh, that wraps up our podcast questions from our overtime group. Cool. And I think that wraps up tonight. Whew, holy moly. I told you an hour, and it's two hours. So I know. We were two and a half hours last week, two hours this week. Maybe next week, maybe an hour. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. We need a we need a break. Although I had a lot of fun. A lot of laughs tonight. Yeah. Tonight was funny. So it was. All right, guys. All well, right. Thanks again for well, joining us for weekend. another week of the Bench Time Podcast. Um you know, we love you, but we don't love you more than two hours tonight. So uh <laughs> we're gonna call five and a half hours in two weeks. I love you that much. That's about it. So uh all right guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. We'll catch you next week. Peace.